Hey everybody, this is Jack. This is the Avon. And welcome to our NLEC podcast called Church on Air. Have you ever had trouble falling asleep, Jack? All the time, Stephen. So what do you try to do instead of just flipping your pillow, instead of rolling around and ruining your night? Well, how do you try to fall asleep? I've been using an app. Which app is it? It's Levitic U. Levitic U. Uh, they're sponsoring our podcast at the moment. Levitic U is an app which helps you fall asleep. Um, so let's say you have had a, a really energetic gym session and you're finding it hard to fall asleep, but you know you have to wake up early the next day. You turn on the app, uh, go to um, your program, and Levitic U will read Leviticus, the book of Leviticus to you in a slow and calming manner. So for example you are trying to fall asleep. Let me just try and read to you what the app would do. The Lord said to Moses, Give Aaron and his sons this command. These are the regulations for the burnt offering. The burnt offering is to remain on the altar hearth throughout the night till morning, and the fire must be kept burning on the altar. You listen to that for three hours, you're going to fall to sleep at least after the three, at least during the three hours. I feel sleepy already. Uh, so if you are having trouble falling asleep, go on to iTunes, go on to um, Google Store, make sure you download Levitic U. That is L-E-V-I-T-I-C-Y-O-U. And if you put in the code Jack and Steven, you will get 10% off. Please search it up on the Google Play Store iTunes, enter our promo code, and what will you get from it? You're going to get 10% off your first two chapters. What a deal. Incredible. All right, back to the podcast. Back to the podcast. None of these ads are actually real. All of these the products are actually endorsed purely by the minds of Jack and Steven. We do not take any responsibility. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to our podcast, Church on Air. This is Jack. This is Steven. And welcome to our podcast from NLEC. Ouch. Um, yes. And I have this pet peeve of about, like, I know, like, the young guys in our church do use NLEC a lot. But it just, it just doesn't make sense to me. It it's, rolls off the tongue so much more. What's so wrong much with better. NLEC? Like, that's our. Because you have to, like, Move your tongue more, NLEC. But NLEC just kind of rolls off the tongue. It rolls off the tongue like a boulder off a cliff. That's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> it's so it's so bad. Uh, but, oh man. Wait, uh, wait, gone, okay, okay. Well, let's let's move on. Moving on before I uh right, go off on a rant. Anyways, okay. So last last episode we talked about chapter two. So chapter two was about about being partial, being partial towards people um, and also James talks about faith without works yeah so True firstly um, is like sometimes what we value value about the church community isn't what God values about the church community so so let's say we see someone come in that we really want um, to be around and we give them honor instead of someone who is new someone who doesn't really have friends or um, is going through a hard time instead of giving them honor um, so James is saying that's actually not what God values. God actually values a church which gives honor to the people who need grace the most. 
Uh, and then later on, talk about faith and faith and deeds, right? And we talked about whether or not James really thought that faith alone could save, and he does, by the way. But the idea is that um, our faith needs to work together. Our faith is married with deeds to produce maturity mm. and completeness. Mm. And I love how it all centers back to the royal law that Jesus talks about, um, to love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah right on, because... Uh, at the ultimate, at the at, in heaven, the whole sense of um, eternity is that we are fully in union with God and fully in union with each other. There's like peace back onto the world. Yep. So moving on to chapter three today, um, James gives more practical applications on how to actually do the work, to actually um, look in the mirror and to actually act from it. So James talks about taming the tongue and how our speech um, is actually, yeah, a huge reflection of who we are. Yeah, um, it's, it's actually a very convicting passage. If you're reading with us, um, chapter 3 um, is really trying to knuckle down on. It's not just what you do with your hands that matters. Sometimes what we speak in our words um, is vitally important um, to the condition of our heart. And we've got to always watch out about what we're saying about each other and about God. Hmm. So James talks about self-control in regards to the tongue. He gives two um, strong analogies of how even a, a ship, which is so big and so, I guess, strong, um, is able to be controlled by such a small thing and how a horse is able to be controlled by um, just by a thing that kind of is attached to his mouth. Yeah and how he relates that back to the tongue. Yeah. As to how the tongue is, even though it's such a small part of our body, um, it boasts of great things. Yeah, it's like this sense of like, there are people who are incredibly confident and competent, and they actually are quite reliable in what they do, but they can't help but their words just let them down. They either um, gossip about other people, or they uh, that you can sh you can really see what someone thinks about themselves through their words. Like, are they arrogant? Are they too prideful? Or are they actually um, are they actually kind of humble and self caring, right? Uh, and, and in Galatians, it's kind of saying um, one of the uh, one of the aspects of the fruit of the spirit is self control. So maturity is can you actually be controlled in what you say and what you do? Um, and so really important here. Um, I don't know if you've heard about like this theology of words uh, the, uh, in scripture. Okay. No, I haven't. What, what is it? It's like words are so important. Words are so important because how did the whole um, universe get created? It was actually through God speaking. And so whatever God in his heart had intended came out into the universe. This is why love is so important to everyone in every culture because love is so vital to God. This is why evil feels evil. This is why like things work together a certain way because the, what God thought and what God cared about came out in his words, right? And the same way people then um, in their words um, kind of try to deceive each other and people in their words then speak out um, evil and curses towards one another and actually disrupts the order. And so finally, what is what is needed to correct the whole world is not actually someone doing law um, because the world was created through the word of God. It is then redeemed through the word of God. So then Christ comes as the word of God to reorder everything. Um, so words are, are like so important 
And so this chapter where I would say it's not, it's never just, I'm just saying something and I don't mean it. It's never, it's all, I mean, we all know it's not just we're joking about something. Words are vital to God because God uses words to interact with this universe. Mm. Yeah. And to bring it back to what we're saying, um, James even gives the tongue hellish properties. Um, if set on fire by hell, which is crazy when I read that. Like, yeah. that's when I read that, I'm like, oh, dang, like, I really have to mind what I say. Yes. If the tongue, which is part of my body, does these things, then I really have to be careful. So well, how do you reckon that happens? How does the tongue set and co- how does the tongue corrupt the whole body and sets one's life on fire? Because oftentimes what we say um, is actually a representation of what we actually see in our true heart. And I think to bring it back to Matthew, because James is actually quite influenced by Matthew's, what Matthew is writing about. In Matthew 12, 34, um, the second part, it says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what our true intentions are um, actually reflects what we actually say. Yeah. So it's saying that like, there's no such thing as just saying, Mm. right? Like, um, now, I mean, gossip's an easy thing, like kind of going around and um, saying like, hey, Jack, did you hear that? You know, so-and-so did this in their life and it's so bad, huh? Agree with me. In that, it's actually reflecting sometimes our desire to feel like we're better than other people. Mm. That's the ungodliness in our hearts. Um, or let's say if you have to talk yourself up all the time, what it's really revealing is a insecurity. You actually don't feel valued just as um, God values you. It's revealing something unhealthy in the heart. So, and if you keep on perpetuating that, it can lead you to either lose your friends or people don't trust you. And, and it can also lead you to, um, it can actually destroy your life through a l- lack of discernment. You can hurt a lot of people with your words. Hmm. Because I think sometimes as we tend to dis- disguise, um, actually talking about one another, we m- I might be like, hey, Steve, and I'm, I'm worried, quote unquote, worried about this person, but I disguise that worry. That's used as a disguise for just me just wanting to gossip and actually talk about someone else. Yeah. Like, I mean, and, and like we kid ourselves by saying that it comes from, and sometimes it does come from a good place. You're allowed to be worried about yeah, somebody for sure. and talk about it. But our heart has a way of subtly twisting good intentions and expressing it into bad behaviors. You know, so we can have like really noble desires, but like the t- the tongue, bec- the way we say something, actually, like like it steers a ship. It steers our heart away from um, away from what, it, what our heart really wants to do in a good way, and it steers us towards gossip, steers us towards dis- uh, dissension, steers us towards division. Um, just by how we say something, like I don't know if you've ever argued with someone, like your parents or whatnot before, and then j- you say something that you know shouldn't really be said and then it becomes like the argument becomes about something completely different Mm. it takes it to a whole new level just because we didn't control our tongues yeah almost like how such a small fire can lead to such a big like forest that's burning down yeah how the tongue just one thing that we can say can actually lead to something that much more dis- oh yeah like don't say stuff that you you're not supposed to um and don't um because it reveals if we talk about it, it reveals something from your heart um as we look in the next part it's 
actually not just revealing your heart, it's revealing your sense of worship in God. You know, if we look from verse 9 onwards, that same tongue, that is, un, if you're unable to control yourself in what you say normally, it actually affects your worship of God. You know, verse 9, it says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Savior, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Um, I mean, uh, how do you read that? Yep. So it almost feels like the tongue is almost conflicted or there's a duality to where the tongue kind of talks about blessing the Father, but also ends up cursing people, the Father, as a result. So it's almost double-minded in that sense. Yeah. Like you sing praises to God. I, I saw an ad a while back that still sticks with me. And um, it's about um, it's about family violence, which I guess is why like, it is. But I, I, I've seen so many of those ads. But this one I, I watched like eight, nine years ago, and it still sticks with me. It's like this guy like screaming and yelling at his children like before church in the car. And yeah. then like you hear the yelling, you hear all that. And then they get to church. He walks in. And then you hear like, him praise God and sing to God like with like a, like just a beautiful voice. Yeah. And what it does is it made me go, wow, like you question his heart. And does he really have a relationship with God? When you do you can you actually mean you praise God if you use those same words and same mouth to curse the people that God loves? Mm. Yeah, and it ties about ties back to the fact that um, what we what our mouth says actually is actually a reflection of our heart, our true intention. Yeah. Yeah. So gotta be careful, mate. Um, do you see this happening anywhere in 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 church or in life? I think sometimes it's actually hard to tell because sometimes, you know, sometimes we only see that praise part of that father or like, so sometimes we see people at church Mm -hmm. and we see that, oh, they're actually saying good things, but sometimes outside of church, it's hard to pinpoint that. Um, Yeah, so, so, so personally, how do we know that? Um. I mean, heart stuff is always hard. Yeah. Right. I mean, even now as we're talking about it, I'm sensing like you don't you you don't want to make people feel bad that they mess up, mm. but you also want people to see and look at their own hearts, like as to what their words are actually reflecting. Um, I can speak for myself, right? Like um, there are many, uh, like my my futsal analogy. The other day, right? Mm. I do. I had to have a really hard look at myself in my heart, like because I kept on telling myself, "Oh, it's just soccer, right? It's just futsal," and I can yell at people on the on the pitch, and they'll just have to deal with it because it's sport. But this passage doesn't let me get away with that. And like the mirror, I can go, "Oh, I'm allowed to yell and be aggressive and be." Um, the meaning on a pitch, but then off it somehow, like I, I'm not. I can tell myself I'm not that, but it's like, but that that's still me. There's no difference between the me on the pitch and the me off the pitch, right? That's just all a construct of my mind, right? Uh, who I am on the futsal pitch is still me, and so I think sometimes we compartmentalize 
right? When is it appropriate to be angry? When is it appropriate to be abusive? When it's appropriate to yell and, and to be demeaning? When James is saying, if you're only something, if you're only kind half the time when it's easy, you're not kind, basically. Yep. Right? If you're only self-controlled sometimes, you're not self-controlled. Mm. Um, so if you're only worshipping and honouring to God with your words when it's church time, maybe you're not actually honouring and worshipping God. Right? Can both, verse 11, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Right. Not really. Yeah, that's challenging. Um, and how in verse 7 it says, mankind has been able to tame almost every living creature, but yet we can't tame the, the thing that's in it, like that we, that's part of us, our tongue. Yeah. So like when I read this, like what can we do about it? If we understand and know that the tongue has hellish properties, it's almost impossible to tame by human strength. And that, um, that it reflects our true intentions. What can we actually do about that when I read it? What do we do with our tongue? Well, I, I think it's important to treat our words not as a culture issue. I would also not treat it as a behavioral issue. Um, like, for example, swearing is not a behavioral issue. Swearing is a heart issue. So it comes from our desire to curse those around us, right? Or things around us. Um, so I would treat it way with a way more seriousness than I think many people do. It's not enough to say, I'm sorry. Um, in the same way, like, okay, let's say if you praise God at church and then you go and like, be um, really discouraging outside of it, I would look into the heart and say, why do I think that I'm allowed to do that? Why am I discouraging this person? Why am I demeaning this person? And I'll find something in my heart. Maybe it's like because it makes me feel powerful. Maybe it's because it makes me feel safe in control. Um, because from the good thing is that like your dysfunctional speech, it comes straight from your heart. And I would really find accountability for that, right? I'll take it way more seriously. Yeah. Um, like you can't just say things and go, oh, it's just my words. You have to deal with it like, like, gen like I'll deal with it as seriously as people need to deal with lust, as people need to deal with um, like uh, anger, aggression. I'll deal with it that seriously. So what do you mean by not addressing it as a culture issue or a behavior issue? So I know that you actually want to target the heart, and I get that. Oh. Like, so behavioral issue is you want to change your behavior and then let that sink into your heart, right? I see. So, for example, yeah. Yeah. Oh, if I read the Bible more over time, um, my, my, my heart will catch up, and yeah. I'll like the discipline, I'll like the habit. Yeah. So it's like going in from the flesh towards the heart. I see. Right? Um, and if the issue is of the flesh, like, for example, if the issue is, um, oh, I'm unhealthy because I need to stop smoking. Mm. That's a behavioral issue. I see. Right. Your heart isn't like, oh, I crave cigarettes. Right. Your heart may be addicted, like, you know, like prone to addiction. Your brain, yeah, brain might. But it's more of a behavioral issue yeah. than a heart issue. I see. Whereas speaking, it's from the inside out. You can deal with the behavior, but if you really don't value others, if you really think you're better than other people, then... If you can change your behavior, but it wouldn't change your heart. I see. Yeah. So you, we're trying to target the actual, 
we're not trying to target the external behavior of what of the action of saying things, but actually instead of looking at what we're saying, but we should actually look at the heart, our true intention behind it and actually look at that first before trying to change that because that might actually lead to having works that are untrue. Yeah, or it will come out in a more twisted way. Yeah. Um, now, I don't usually agree with Freud, but mm-hmm. I think Freud says something that, like Sigmund Freud, the uh, psychologist, psychiatrist, um, I don't really agree with most of this stuff, but I do really, I think what he observed about the subconscious is really insightful and it's biblical. It's that if we, we, if we have hidden desires and we just like repress ourselves from like talking about it and dealing with it, it will express itself in a different area. So let's say you're really angry at your, um, your job but you're not allowed to express that frustration, it will come out in your family. If you're really angry at your, um, your studies or at your friends and you're not allowed to express it, it will come out in a different group of friends or in your uh, sport, whatever it is. Uh, so sort of like if repression and behavioral change doesn't actually help, it may just ex- make your expression of it more twisted. I see. You've got to be so careful. You know? mm. Yeah. So look towards the heart is what we're Trying to mm-hmm. say. Mm. Yeah, as James always says. So, and that's what, like, that's what affects our worship at the end of the day. That's why it affects our worship because our heart's twisted. Mm. Yeah, so moving on, um, on to verses 13 to 18, James talks about wisdom. So what's that link between taming the tongue, um, watching our speech, and wisdom? Yeah, I mean, verse 13 onwards, it talks about applications. So we talked about wisdom before. Yeah. As an application of knowledge. We have, yeah. Uh, and so, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. So this next point is about like, uh, what does it mean to a... So let's say you know taming the tongue is wrong. Then, and you know you want to say good things. What is the correct application of that? Like, what does healthy speech actually look like? Because you can't not talk ever. Taming doesn't mean sedating. Yeah. Right. Like the answer to taming the tongue isn't "I'll to, never speak again." To cut off your tongue or something like that. Yeah. That, oh yeah. No, don't, yeah. That would make no do sense. Don't do that. We do not condone self-surgery yeah. of the tongue for the sake of not speaking. Yeah. Bad idea. But it's like to so the point is not to be. So what is wisdom? What is true application of taming the tongue? Um, and what is true application of self-control? It is knowing what the posture of your words should actually be like. Hmm. Like, what should you sound like and actually aim for that as opposed to not saying anything at all? Because if we're talking about we can't solve this through behavioral change, we need to solve this through our heart change. And heart is in the posture. So this passage is really good. So if I could just uh, read verse 14. If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. This is a posture thing. Mm. What do you reckon? Yeah. Um, so what do you mean by posture before I talk about what I think? Oh, yeah, good so one. What's um, posture? So the physical meaning or like the literal meaning of posture would be when I sit down, my posture is, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, another word for it is probably your intention yep. or your attitude. Yeah. So I can, um, so let's say I'm, I'm 
driving somebody um, back to like to I'm doing them a favor. So the action, the form, can be I'm driving somebody to buy groceries for them. But if my intention is to ask them for something back, that's an incorrect posture. If my intention is to do something just for them, my posture is to be selfless. Mm. So it's more of your intention. Yeah. Um, so what is the intention of us taming our tongue? It shouldn't be just to um, please others. So it should be to deal with, to actually live wisely. It's not enough to not do the wrong thing. Uh, you actually have to do the right thing. Yep. Okay. Yeah, now that makes sense. So it's almost like your true intentions behind certain things. So oftentimes we might say, what's your posture before God? Um, what's our intention before God? Mm. What, what are our intentions? Is it actually to worship Him? Or is it out of selfish things? Is it yeah. out of bitter jealousy or ambition? Yeah. Um, and this is so true in preachers as well. right? In verse 1 in chapter 3, it talks about not everyone should become teachers because you know that we who teach will, become, will be judged more strictly. Yep. There are moments in preaching that I've heard preachers and I fight in myself where you want to say something meaningful, but the intention of it is just to shock and awe, right? Or the intention of it is not to build, but it's to break or to use guilt. Like, you know how I feel about using guilt as mm. a key motivator in church, I don't believe. But to do that, you actually have to be really careful about your heart, right? You have to be careful about your intention and your posture. If you're preaching to use guilt, then what comes out of it, I think, is actually um, ungodliness. Mm. Yeah, so James gives great outlines. Um, because oftentimes we can actually be right when we say these things, but James is saying sometimes you may be right, but are you wise in saying those things? Do you have any thoughts on that, Stephen? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, actually, I feel like uh, you could uh, you could kind of give some input into this as I'm talking because I, I see it from a different perspective, right? Yep. Like I think that sometimes people, they know things that are correct. They're correct. And what they know is true. Uh, but the way they express it is in anger and malice and bitterness and control, right? Instead of self-control, it's controlling others. And sometimes I listen to these people and I know that they are factually correct. But their heart is ungodly because instead of peace, instead of um pure instead of like submissiveness, mercy and good fruit, it's actually bitter. It's envious. It's hatred, you know? And like you can't, you can't actually like just, so let me just bring an example, right? Maybe it'll be easier. Like I think it's really important to value the holiness of God. Yeah. So important. And like you are so correct to value the holiness of God within the church. But when you talk about the holiness of God, you cannot Use the holiness of God as a justification to hate people or to put people down or to um, be envious of others or to be bitter against others because the holiness of God ends up as uh, it ended in the gospel. You know, it continues through the gospel. So in a way, like your posture in that area really matters. Um, so if the verse here is like... Um, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, 
but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have selfish, or where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So the math equation is: if you are right, but you are ungodly, the result of that is not godliness but ungodliness. If you have an ungodly heart, but you are trying to do the right thing, it will come out as something demonic and earthly and unspiritual. Mm. Like posture is so important. Yeah. And I see this play out every day, right? Sometimes you can think you can be right about something, but whether to say it might be a different case. I might be like, oh, there might be something like like toothpaste on Stephen's hoodie. There isn't. There isn't. Don't, don't worry about it, Stephen. Okay. Well, now I'm going to be thinking about it. <laughs> right. And, that, and that's okay. the point, right? I think we may be right about something, but to actually... Bring it to Stephen. Is it actually wise? Yeah. Is it helpful for the moment? Is of it this actually podcast? helpful? Is it helpful? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, yeah. Th- th- that's wisdom, right? Thinking about those things. Mm. Um, like sometimes you just have to give grace that people need time to mess up. Mm. Like it's important that we have grace to let people be themselves. You know, and sometimes that means they can make mistakes that we won't. Um, but it's part of their growing process. Mm. And sometimes, I don't know about you, Stephen, but when someone tells me to do something and they're like yelling and screaming at me or they're saying it from an arm's length and they don't actually understand or know yeah. me, I'm just I'm just kind of like, I kind of don't want to listen to you. It's hard to listen to, yeah. Yeah. But I think if you actually come from a good posture and actually understand and know that person's situation and to actually lovingly say those things that are right and with wisdom, with, with wisdom I think I'd want to listen that, to that person a bit more. Yeah. Hey, relationship advice of the day, it's not about learning to get along well. It's about learning to disagree well. It's learning how to go through the moments that you don't um, agree with each other and to let that be something that is a productive moment, right? So let's say you're arguing with your boyfriend, your girlfriend. You can either argue to hurt them or you can argue to be a better relationship. It's like that's sometimes that's what makes or breaks a relationship, you know? Mm. Whereas we don't disagree well, even small things will kill you. Relationship advice over. Yeah, it's so much easier to... Um, oh, to agree well with people, but to actually disagree, I think something it's something that sometimes we avoid to disagree with other people, but yeah. yeah. So what is a good posture? I think oh, James I think James talks talks about it in verse 17. But wisdom from above is pure and peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. I think that's like a good filter or category that we should be looking toward. Yeah, so is are my words pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, impartial, and sincere? Mm. If it doesn't come from that place, maybe what you have to say isn't worth very much. Mm. If we're honest, maybe it's not worth as much as we think it's worth. Mm. Like, um, I mean, it also comes down to Christ. Christ is the Word of God. The Word become flesh. Christ did not die on the cross full of envy and hate. 
In fact, they treated him, they tortured him, and he goes, forgive them, Father, for they know what, not what they are doing. Mm. Like it's, that's, that's Christ-like mm. to be gentle and forgiving in the worst circumstances. Mm. So if we, if we were to wrap things up, Stephen, um, I'm quite conflicted by this. Um, when I read about the tongue and how, um, yeah, it's a true reflection of who we are. Uh, truly, our, our posture towards God, um, yeah, and how we should look towards um, godly wisdom. Mm -hmm. um, me too. I think, in particular, in a teaching ministry capacity, mm. right? That's my that's my job most of the time to like kind of speak out truth and to uh, preach and to teach the scriptures. My words are so important. I think if my congregation begins to think that, oh, he's, he doesn't mean what he says, he doesn't live out what he says, his heart, like what he's preaching is actually from a place of bitterness, um, I reckon you lose all of your like spiritual influence and you shouldn't have any anyway at that point. Yeah. But yeah, even for me, as not a teacher, I think I find this still super applicable to me as well. Mm -hmm. So how can we grow in this area? What are some like application points, Jack? Hmm. I think, I mean, what we touched about on the heart is super good as well, to not just target what we're saying, uh, which might be something that we could fall into about saying the wrong things. But, yeah, to actually look at our own hearts um, and to actually bring that to God, to look, to look in the mirror and do something about it. Yeah. yeah. So don't treat it as a behavioral issue. Mm. Treat it as a heart issue. Go and find advice, not just for what you're saying, but what you're thinking, what you're actually feeling, um, and be convicted by God in those areas. Because you can stop saying a certain word, but it doesn't mean you've stopped having a certain thought. Um, so that would be it, you know. Um, so what's coming up next, Jack? Yeah, so with that, thanks you guys for tuning in to Church on Air. So the next episode, we'll be touching on Chapter 4. So... Yeah, we're going to talk through what it means to um, go through conflict within a community. Well, how Christians are supposed to go through conflict and also um, how our pride gets the better of us. Mm. Wow, interesting. Mm -hmm. I'd want to listen to that episode. All right. It might be a bit biased, but anyways. Tune, tune in next week. All right, see ya. Bye.